So you've been scrolling social media and you see everyone talking about power struggles and you're wondering what are they and how do I avoid them? Well, today I'm going to be breaking down what power struggles are and how you can avoid them. So stick around because you won't want to miss this. Hey, teacher bestie. My name's Helena and I'm the creator of the Present Teacher Podcast. I'm a first year teacher coach. And in this podcast, you are going to learn everything from simple, actionable classroom management, social emotional learning and teacher wellness strategies. You know that impact you want to make in the classroom? Well, we're going to make it happen here. Before we begin, let's talk about what a power struggle is. According to Google, a power struggle is when two or more groups compete for control over someone or something. In this case, you are struggling or competing with your students over control of the classroom. When a student challenges you, what they're doing is to see if you're going to be consistent with the consequences that you set and the expectations you set in class and if you are willing to budge or not with your boundaries. Now, you might be wondering, how do power struggles come about? Well, there's several different ways that they can happen, but the number one way that most students interact in a power struggle is when they feel called out, particularly if they they were doing something off task and you called them out in front of the class, they are then going to compete for control or they're going to snap back because they feel like you called them out and they are going to then try to confront you and try to gain some control back in their life. Now, when this happens, a common misconception is that students are out to get you, but oftentimes students aren't exactly aware that they are interacting in a power struggle or a power battle over the classroom. What they're really doing is they feel like they were called out and they feel offended, so they are going to snap back at you. Typically, though, it has nothing to do with you or your teaching ability and just everything to do with the situation that just occurred. Now that you know what a power struggle is and how they typically happen, you might be wondering, how do I avoid getting in a power struggle in the first place? Well, here are five ways you can avoid a power struggle from happening and prevent them from happening in the first place. The first one is to ignore them. In general, a general rule I have is unless a student is distributing or displaying a behavior that is going to cause harm to themselves or someone else in the classroom, then I typically ignore the behavior when at all possible, especially if the behavior in any way seems to upset me. The reason being is you don't want to interact with students in an emotional state. Have you ever had a day where you were having a really hard morning and you got to class and your kids sensed it and the day just got 10 times worse? Well, the same goes for when your students upset you in the classroom with with their behavior. If you are not ready to respond in a calm and neutral way, I highly recommend you ignore the behavior and wait until you are calm, cool, and collected before you pull them to the side to have a conversation about their behavior. The second thing you can do to avoid a power struggle is to avoid calling the student out in front of their friends. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally don't appreciate when my admin calls me out for a mistake I made in front of my staff 
or my team. The same goes for your students. When a student is being disruptive or has made a mistake, avoid confronting them about the mistake or giving them criticism or providing them choices on how to fix it until you can pull them to the side to have a conversation. That way they're not embarrassed and called out in front of their peers. The third way, and I alluded to this in the first strategy, is to remain calm, cool, neutral, and collected. And this takes a pretty big mind shift that will take a while to master, but however your students decide to behave is no reflection on you. It has everything to do with them articulating a lack of something that they're missing. Behavior is just a form of communication. You see, your students' brains aren't fully developed and they're emotionally not fully developed until their mid-20s. So the only way they know how to articulate that something isn't working for them is to interact in a behavior. Now, they can do a positive behavior like following directions or it may become a disruptive behavior or doing the opposite of what is expected in class. Now, at this age level, depending where you're at, it can be really hard for them to articulate what that upset them or what they need, or what isn't being met. That's why the default is to then be disruptive in class because they're trying to tell you that something is not going according to plan or something is upsetting them. That's why it's so important for you to remain calm and neutral when your students are being disruptive or not following directions. If you are unable to be calm, cool, and neutral at first, something I do is I take a breath, I calm down, and I don't address the behavior until I'm ready. I need to remind myself that I'm the adult and I need to respond in a neutral, calm, monotone tone and not show a sign of emotion or that it upset me. And if that means that I need to wait until the end of the class period or until a couple minutes pass, then I will do so. And I'll refer back to the behavior later when we're both calm and we have time or we have the capacity to have a discussion about it. If you find yourself getting upset, remember to pause and remind yourself that this behavior has nothing to do with you and everything that has to do with them. And remind yourself it's okay to take your time and to come back to this later when you are ready. The next tip I have for you when it comes to avoiding disruptive behavior is to provide choices. Now, growing up, I don't know if you can relate to this, but it always felt like that your life was controlled and you had little to no say about what was going on in your life growing up. I personally felt that way and I know a lot of students do too. So when you find yourself wanting to avoid a power struggle, oftentimes if you provide a choice, it goes a long way. An example of this is, let's say a student was playing in the bathroom and they made a mess. You can pull them to the side in the hallway, maybe while your students, other students are working and you can have a conversation like, I noticed you made a mess in the bathroom. Is that right? Give them the opportunity to own it and then give them two choices. You can either clean up the bathroom now or I can send a note home with your family saying we need to practice at home what it should look like in the bathroom without making a mess. So you gave them two choices and you're giving them the opportunity to make things right with a natural consequence. That is going to help avoid a power struggle because you pulled them aside and you gave them those two choices. 
choices allows them to feel like they have some ownership over what happens next without giving them full control of the classroom. The next tip I have for you in order to avoid a power struggle is to say it once and then do it once. By this, I mean don't give them 10 or 20 warnings before you do something or you act on what you say because they know then that you're not serious and they can get away with things because you are going to give them several warnings before you do something. So for example, going back to the example I had just now about the bathroom, if my student decided to clean up the bathroom but then make another mess, I'm not then going to say, okay, this time you can clean it up too. You need to follow up with that second consequence or that first consequence you said. You need to make sure you're being consistent, neutral, and make sure you're being consistent with what you say. Otherwise, the students won't take you seriously. With that being said, I wanted to make sure I added this reminder is when you give them a consequence or two consequences to choose from, or maybe this is their third time, so the consequence is the consequence, Give them the consequence, remain neutral, and move on. Do not negotiate with the students because then you will find yourself in a power struggle. All this to say, I wanted to go back to what I was saying originally, which is behavior is a form of communication. Typically, students are not partaking in disruptive behavior to personally offend you. Typically, it's a form of communication of a lack or need of something going on in their day. It could be at home. It could be at school. It could be any of those things. But the point is, You want to avoid a power struggle, yes, and learn how to navigate disruptive behavior, but the true transformation comes when you build that relationship with the student and you find out why they're being disruptive in the first place. Having that open sideline conversation that I talked about earlier is a great way to start building that relationship because then you're giving them the opportunity to articulate what's going on and why they're upset and why they're doing this disruptive behavior. In general, I recommend if a student is having a particular hard time with a certain thing, don't give them multiple warnings. You have to decide at what point are you going to put them on a behavior plan and get other admin and staff and support involved in order to help support the student and help them be successful in the classroom setting. That wraps up the several ways to avoid a power struggle. And as a recap, the different ways to avoid a power struggle were to ignore the situation until later, until you're calm, cool, and collected, or when you can pull the student to the side. The second one is to not call the student out in the middle of class. The third thing is to remain calm and neutral when you give a consequence or you interact with the student. If you are not calm, cool, and collected, make sure to take some time to calm yourself down before you have that interaction with the student. The fourth thing is to provide choices whenever applicable because it gives the student ownership and it prevents them from having a power struggle with you later because they feel like they have no control. And the fifth thing Say it once, do it once. Once you give a consequence, make sure to do it. Don't give the students multiple warnings or you will find yourself giving more warnings in the future and your students will not take your warnings seriously. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, make sure to give it a like and subscribe so you can hear about future series coming up about classroom management. And if you want help learning how to master your classroom in just three days, there's a free three-day 
classroom management challenge you can check out in the description i'll make sure to link it otherwise remember that we are stronger together thank you so much teacher bestie for listening and i'll talk to you later bye Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope that you were able to take away some value that will help you thrive inside and out of the classroom. It would mean the world to me if you could take five seconds right now and leave a review on this podcast. And if you found this podcast especially helpful, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now and tag me on your socials to let me know you're listening. As always, remember that we are stronger together with all the love in the world, Helena, aka the present. See you next time, teacher bestie.